Hi, this is Robert Mitchell, and this is episode 23 of High Tide in the Dream Time. Uh, today's episode is called We Can't Breathe. And it's partly been inspired by the past week. It's partly been inspired by the past few months. It's partly been inspired by something that's been going on longer than that. And I know everybody's been affected by uh, the murder in Minneapolis and the way it happened and the way it was described by the person it was happening to, which to me uh, was endured with amazing dignity and composure and strength and courage, almost like a martyr. But I also think that each one of us who's seen that tape who saw what happened. And I'm not gonna get into the socio-political parts of it because that is really not my expertise and people are, everyone's talking about that anyway. And I don't wanna pretend to have something profound to add to that because I don't. But I will say that over the past six months, We've seen the controlled burning of the Amazon. We've seen the emergence of the coronavirus. And we've seen that murder by asphyxiation in Minneapolis this past week, which when I watched it, I was just stunned by how explicit it was. and also by the human indifference to suffering. But I feel like all three things, all these three things are related. Maybe not mechanistically, maybe not by causality, but thematically they're related. You know, I think that everybody talks about or has heard about or has heard the Amazon described as the lungs of the planet. And the amount of oxygen that's created in the Amazon and the amount of carbon dioxide that's metabolized by forest into oxygen is enormous. It's the largest body that does that on the planet. So when Bolsonaro allows people to burn that forest so they can graze probably cattle where forests used to be, it's really reducing uh, the planet's capacity to metabolize carbon dioxide and create oxygen. So it's really producing the quality of the air that everybody breathes. And then the coronavirus comes and the coronavirus also 
compromises people's ability to breathe. And for the 100,000 Americans, I don't know how, what the numbers are worldwide now, how many hundreds of thousands of people have died. Uh, they basically die because their lungs can't get them enough oxygen. Um, and then with this murder, you're also watching somebody who can't breathe, who isn't being allowed to breathe. You know, by the malefic intents of somebody else, the murderous intents of someone else. Although I think that guy's probably too stupid to realize that he was murdering him. I think he probably thought he was passing out and urinating in his pants and, you know, it was just sadistic. But the one thing all these, all three of these incidents have, or all three of these instances have in common is breath. And they're all part of our dream. If you know about it, it's part of your dream. If you've seen those videos, if you've felt afraid of the coronavirus, if you've known people who've been sick, if you've lost people, it's all, and if you know about what's going on in the Amazon, it's all about the compromise of our capacity as a species, but as a planet to breathe it's holistic it's not out there it's in here and the one thing that we all have in common without exception is we are our life begins with breath our life begins with the first breath we take after birth and it comes to an end with our last exhale that isn't followed by an inhale. Or maybe an inhale that isn't followed by an exhale. But all that time in between, there'll be breath. And a lot of those breaths are going to be unconscious. And a lot of those breaths are going to be conditioned by how we hold ourselves in our body. How we defend ourselves. How we don't allow a natural breath. And I think that it's worth contemplating as you're listening to this, how you're breathing. Because I think a lot of our lives are gonna be determined by the quality of our breaths. By how we inflate our lungs and allow oxygen to permeate our systems and feed our bodies and our consciousness. And one of the things that I find, you know, is when I have 
been trained in meditation by a couple different people is that they've taught me to follow my breath and that if you can have your whole attention be your awareness of breath, you can alter your consciousness. And I know what has evolved in my own practice, and I know this can be helpful to other people, is becoming aware of how my breath, how the, the inhalation and exhalation, but mostly in the inhalation, can be compromised by my sense of identity. By how I think I'm supposed to hold my body in order to feel safe and in order not to feel vulnerable. So I'm not always able to have a full, open, relaxed breath. I'm not always able to inflate my lungs because a lot of times my back's tight or my thoracic cavity's tight or my intercostal muscles are tight or my abdomen's tight or my abdomen's not expanded. You know, you think of a Buddha belly, it's round, but in our culture, what we value is a six pack. But you can't really expand a six pack. It contracts, it shows that you're guarded. It shows that you're, you're, you're blocked in your, I guess, I guess you'd say your third chakra that's powerful and tight. But I think that a lot of our consciousness, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that if you can open up your body to allow your lungs to fill with breath to their relaxed capacity, you have to relax your body to do that. And if you take your awareness into your body and feel the ways that your lungs are attempting to expand and inflate and be full of life-giving oxygen, you can map out in your body where it's not allowing you to do that. Because of ego states that cause you to hold yourself a certain way. There is a soma psyche connection, meaning your consciousness does what your body does, and your body does what your consciousness does. So you can discover through body awareness and breath. The places where you habitually don't allow breath in because of habits of posture, habits of muscular tension, habits that work against the organic structure of your body because nobody's body or in rare instances is anybody's body created 
to limit their breath because it's so fundamental. Everybody's thoracic cavity, and I, I imagine, I guess there could be exceptions to this, but everybody's thoracic cavity is designed to accommodate a full breath. Yet it sometimes can be so hard in situations of stress in situations of anxiety, in situations of depression, in situations where you're being criticized or abused or violated. It's hard to allow the full exp expenditure of your being and to allow oxygen in to its full capacity. And one of the things that they find with meditation, and you find this with just breathing properly, is when you do become aware of your breath and you allow your, your awareness to become your breath and there to be no distinction between the two things and no like, oh yeah, but what am I gonna do after this? Or why'd that person say that to me? But your awareness becomes your breath. Your amygdala calms down. Your amygdala, which is your fight or flight in stimulation and will override your prefrontal cortex, which has all of your executive functions, all of your good judgment, all of your capacity to delay gratification for bigger goals, to notice the things in your experience that are profound and not notice the things in your experience that are threats. Because that's the amygdala, which is about the size of a walnut. That's what it's concerned with. It's concerned with lions and bears. Maybe not lions, maybe bears and wolves and other things that can consume us. News programs are trying to capture the attention of your amygdala. Because that's going to focus your attention because you're going to feel worried. Scenes of riots, um, danger, catastrophe. But if within your own body you can take a full breath, you're probably okay. You're not in a riot. You're not ill. Your survival isn't threatened. The breath is probably the most amazing tool we have for our health. probably more important to be able to breathe properly, to be able to get oxygen throughout your body, to all your other organs, to your brain, to your kidneys, to your liver, to your skin. 
than it is to eat properly. And more likely than not, if you breathe properly, you're going to eat properly. You're going to know the difference between being anxious and being hungry. You're going to know the difference between being depressed and being hungry. Because the breath illuminates all areas of our awareness. And it settles down all our senses, all our physical senses. So when you think about your breath, maybe this week, look at the quality of it. And if you can breathe better, if you can breathe deeper, if you can inflate the bottom third of your lungs, which in my experience with working with people, they usually aren't. They're usually not getting into the bottom third of their lungs. They're getting into the top third, the top half top two thirds, but they're not letting the alveoli in the bottom of their lungs get oxygen in them because it's a habit and it can be an old habit. It can be a 40 year old habit or a 50 year old habit or a 52 year old habit or a 35 year habit because you didn't feel like you could expand and relax in your environment for whatever reason or I didn't. And you can take your awareness all the way back to the origins of this compromise. If you choose to. And you'll find all kind of muscular restriction. All kinds of armoring that were a defense against Maybe a less than ideal, maybe a less than perfectly empathetic environment, which very few of us found ourselves in. And we've all reacted to that in our own way. Trying to feel safe, trying to survive. But I guarantee you, if you can roll together some full breaths, some full relaxed breaths, one after another, you are gonna change the way your brain functions. And you are gonna change the way your body functions. And a brain that doesn't feel like it's getting as much oxygen as it might need or might desire. And other organs feeling the same way are gonna create a lot of stress in any body.
The breath is a tool of liberation and has been for a long time. It's what the Buddha used. <clears throat> you know, one of my heroes is a guy named Stan Groff. And he did all this amazing psychedelic therapy in the 1950s and 1960s before it was illegal. Before it became democratized in the culture and recreationalized. When it was just in clinics used by psychiatrists and psychologists. He mapped out all these worlds that people experienced, all these parts of their psyches, all these stages of evolution that they had in their psychedelic experience. And then it became illegal to work like that. And my guess is he did continue to work like that very quietly, but he didn't write about it anymore. And then he developed this thing called holotropic breath work, which was he noticed how people breathe during psychedelic experiences when things get intense, when they have their most profound transformative opportunities. And because he'd seen so many people have this experience, he was able to recreate the breathing patterns, which often involve hyperventilation, which creates extra oxygen in someone's brain. And then that creates altered states in someone's brain. And oftentimes people could have those transformative experiences without psychedelics. And I think there's genius in that. And I'd say also, I don't talk about this very much, but in my own psychedelic experiences, I've always found that when I am having a profound experience, and, and you know, it's not something I do often, but my breathing changes. It changes from my normal, habitual, everyday breathing. It usually slows down a lot. Sometimes I only breathe three or four breaths a minute, but because I'm open and I'm not, I don't have my reducing valve on my consciousness or on my breath intake, that's all I need is three or four big, open, relaxed breaths. And sometimes I think like, oh, I'm forgetting to breathe, <clears throat> but I'm not. I'm just breathing relaxed and I'm getting all the oxygen I need. So this tumultuous week of coronavirus and riots and looting and murder of looking at historical and racial histories in our country. Think about your own breathing. Think about what a privilege it is to breathe. What a pleasure. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. Do the most for yourself with it that you can. Because I guarantee if you become aware of it and it deepens, 
and you get more oxygen, it'll relax everything. It'll undo conditioned states of thinking and conditioned ways that you hold your body. And it'll reveal itself as a pathway to freedom. I promise. All right. Let me know if that works. Um, I'm not sure I have any essays on this, but I should write one. But there's other essays at www.goingquantum.org on such matters, and you can check those out there. And if you have any questions, you can get in touch with me. I have contact information on goingquantum.org. You can reach me at fourquarters at earthlink.net. That's one word spelled out, fourquarters at earthlink.net. And I hope this was helpful to some people because we all got to be able to breathe. Thank you.